I've been led to talk about um, the importance of God's creation, especially as it relates to human beings, um, because we live in a world today that just um, is, is confused about um, identity. It, it, it's confused about purpose. It's, um, it, there, there's, there's this loss of idea of any kind of meaning um, for our, our, our bodies and for our souls and, and how we um, are identified um, um, as, as uh, you know, we, we, we try to uh, come up with our, our own um, ideas about what identity is. And uh, things have become so fluid, um, we just don't know who we are anymore. And sometimes e e even us as, as Christians um, begin questioning, who, who am I and, and, and why am I here and, and what am I made for and, and those kinds of things. But it's, it's especially um, out there in our world today. And people ask all the time, how do you make the Bible relevant? Well, one of the ways that the Bible is the most relevant is that it answers the question of who I am and, 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 and what's my identity and, and answers the question of, of purpose and it answers the question of where I'm going to. And uh, that, that in itself makes the Bible relevant. to, to our Because it, it tries to answer the big questions of life that, that everyone is asking. And, and they're looking, um, um, you know, as, as the old country song says, looking for love in all the wrong places. They're looking for answers in all the wrong places. But, but God has, has the answer for us. And I wanted to back up in Genesis chapter 2. I know we talked about um, the creation of the woman in particular last time and, and how um, man, man and female come together uh, to, uh, to build God's glorious future on earth. I kind of did it that way because I wanted to uh, relate that to Father's Day a little bit. But backing up a little bit, I want to talk a little bit more about the body and, so, and, and, and what it was, what was created for. So I want to go back to Genesis chapter 2 again, beginning at verse 5. <clears throat> and it says this, When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground, and a mist was going up from the land that was watering the whole face of the earth. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask God that you would add a blessing to the reading and to the hearing of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. As I was saying before, we, we are confused about our identities. Um, but even when it comes down to, to the body, um, our, our physical bodies, um, even some of the best believers ha have, have, have um, said that the body is viewed more as a prison in which um, our souls exist. And I think that part of the reason we, we do that is because of um, the, the, the idea that, that the body is mortal 
and that it's decaying and that, that it's slowly slipping away in, um, towards, uh, towards its, its final death and resting place. Um, and we, we tend to say that. But I, but I think it, you know, that, that, that's a result of the fall, not a, not a result of God's creation. The, 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 the consequence for Adam and Eve's sin was, was mortality. They, they lost their access to the, to the glorious, to the wonderful tree of life. Which is, um, I, I think, real, but also a symbol of, of uh, God being the source of life. But we, we, but, but we still tend to, to view the body as, as some sort of um, housing or, or prison for, for the soul. In fact, we, we sing songs about it all day, all, all day long, all the time. You know, uh, like, like, a, like a bird from its prison bars has flown, I'll fly away. And I have nothing wrong with that song in particular, but that, that particular line makes it sound like, you know, our, our souls are just something that, that, that are trapped in, some, in, in the body. And that's actually more um, akin to um, pagan thought than it is um, biblical thought or Christian thought. Because uh, th they believe that the creation of man was an afterthought. Um, uh, in, in some cases... Um, the, the body was formed because of, of wars between the gods and sparks of the divine fell to earth and, and, and uh, wrapped itself, got caught in the, um, in, in, in the substance of the earth and then all of a sudden there, there was a human being. And so, um, you know, even in the old, old paganism they had this idea that well, we're just an afterthought to the gods. Um, the gods can... can uh, dictate to us that they, they can be one way and, and another. The other day, they're just like us, so to speak. They, they, they're, they're fickle. They, they change their minds on a whim. And uh, the, the difference is they have uh, divine power over the earth to uh, make crops grow or make crops die, those kinds of things. But anyway, what, what, what I'm getting at is, is that um, human beings are just an afterthought. That the bodies are just um, cases for, or, or prisons for these, these, these trapped divine sparks, and, and, and that thought even came into Christianity in the very beginning. Uh, you know, uh, Paul addresses it. Peter had, had to address it at some point. Um, and, and, and John addresses it. Um, false doctrines that we're getting into, um, all, all pagan thoughts and pagan ways creeping back into the church, and uh, they had to battle it constantly. In fact, later on, they tried to make Christianity, some, some heretics, tried to make Christianity into one of these Greek mystery religions where you were saved by some sort of secret kind of knowledge of the divine and, 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 and you had to be led by that secret knowledge. It wasn't a general salvation by faith. You were only saved if you received that secret knowledge from the gods. They tried to bring Christianity um, down to that level, making it one of the Greek mystery religions. Uh, the Greek word for um, knowledge is gnosis, just like you know, almost like we say it. And so the Gnostics um, were Christians who believed that, that they, they had obtained some sort of secret knowledge from, from God. And, and they had this big complex pantheon where they believed all these different things. And, um, and, and even they separated Jesus from the Christ. That they, they were two different beings. And, it, and it's very weird if you ever read about it. Um, especially um, when the church father Irenaeus addresses it. Um, he has a, had a writing called Against Heresies. 
But, but this idea that, that the physical body is, is just an afterthought, something that, that we're um, trapped in until, until we die and, and they separate, um, you know, that's, I thought that, that's a false notion. And especially if you read here in the pages of Genesis, we talked about mankind being made in the image of God, so we know that there's great purposes of that. But man here... As, as, as they go deeper into explaining the creation of the man and the woman, the man, the human being, was taken from the very material of the earth, which, by the way, God had created. Why do you think it was important for man to be taken from, from, from the material of the, of the earth to have a material body? And I think it has to do with the fact that um, God wanted to relate to His creation. And the way to, for, for God who is spirit to relate to His creation is, is to make somebody who was part of the creation and, and had a material body to go about and, and, and spread God's messages uh, to, to, to the creation itself, to, to show God's goodness. To communicate and commune with God, but also to communicate with the nature around Him. The things that He was supposed to be over and have dominion over. God gave them a physical body from the very substance of the earth. Adam was made by, by, from the dust of the earth. In fact, the very name Adam refers to, to dirt, <laughs> to, to earth. That, that's where the name comes from. And so, so um, the, the word Adama is, is the Hebrew for um, earth or, or, or dirt, and then Adam is, is, is the name for man. Because he came from the very material substance of the earth from which God created. So he, he, he created man from the very materials of the earth itself, and, and then placed him in, in, in a lush garden. And, and that garden produced all kinds of trees and, and, and which produced fruit, it says, that was pleasing to the eye. So not only did, did, did God make um, Adam from, from the material substance of the earth, He, plant, he put him into a garden where all kinds of, um, of uh, uh, fruits and, and produce would, would, would come about for him. In other words, God, God provided for his material sustenance which he needed for this, that, that material body to stay alive. God provided those, those, those things for Adam, for, for this man that he created. So that tells me again that not only is, is God, does God love, if we talk about how God loves life, how God loves creating life. When he created Adam from the, from the substance of the earth, his immortality, I think, was tied to, to the garden and, and, and to the plants that, that were there and to, to the fruit that was there. God provided for His physical body. It also says that God breathed the breath of life into Adam. and he, That's how He became a living creature. Now, you, you can take that breath as, as biological inspiration, how, how we... Um, uh, a respiration, how we breathe and breathe out. And that, and that, that is what um, breathing in that oxygen and putting out the carbon di dioxide um, hel helps sustain life as well. 
We, we, we breathe in, we breathe out. Respiration is, is what keeps everything going. But also, I think, I think, I think the implication is, is that God gave him a soul as well. Because that word breath can, can mean soul. The thing, the thing that makes a, a body living is, is the soul in which God has, has put into them. So, so we're a body-soul dichotomy. We're not just a soul trapped in a body. We're two, it's two sides of, of the same coin. One, one can't exist without the other. And that makes our physical bodies very important. He gave him work to do in, in the garden. And that's another purpose of the material body. We, we already talked about how in the image of God, he gave them dominion over the earth and told them to um, um, fill the earth and subdue it. But here we, we find specifically that um, Adam relates with his material world by, by working in the garden. And, and, and he, I guess God gave him knowledge of how to prune things back and how to keep things growing and how, how, to, how to water and fertilize and those kinds of things. Adam's task was to care for this, this garden. He couldn't do that without a material body. He couldn't do the work of God that he called him to do, to cultivate and all those kinds of things, without that material body. The physical body is important. Just as important as, as the soul is within. And so what, what we do with our bodies is very important to God. Are we going to use it for His will and for His purposes? Or are we going to use it for our own will and our own purposes? In the garden, Adam had access to the tree of life. There was also the tree of, of uh, the knowledge of good and evil, which we know later on in this passage, God tells him, don't eat of that. And I think that was God's test to see if, if Adam would, would continue to obey him and serve him. And, and, and do the good work that God had called him to do. That's why sometimes, um, I don't think we like the term serve the Lord sometimes. Because we, because we, we think of servile fear and, and, and duty and doing things because we have to do them. God's will and way is, is good. God's will and way is, is, is a, in, instructions for us. God's will and way is life for us. If, if, if God is the one who made all things and He's made them a certain way, then we must conform ourselves to His purposes because we are His creation as well. And if we conform ourselves to His purposes, we're going to find our best life here and now in this material world. But God shows that, that the physical body had, had, had purposes and, and had, had an identity in Him. He made us to be like Him. He gave us a body. He gave us a soul. That they, they, they are, are, are one, one, uh, two sides of the same coin. That They are a, a body-soul dichotomy, but they're meant to, to be together as one. Serving His purposes. And God in His love provided everything needed for, for the sustaining of that physical body's life. Now that tells me that God has some great and wonderful purposes for, for our physical bodies. It tells me that, that God cares about what we do within our bodies or what we do with our bodies. He spends much time talking about um, our, our material bodies and how important they are. 
And too often we get caught up in the idea that, that God just cares about my inner life, but He cares about both, and both are intimately connected. I've even heard believers say this. I can, I can still sin in my body as long as my soul is saved. My body still may have sin even though I'm saved in my soul. That, that, that's a very pagan idea. And it's very myopic. I've even heard some say I have eternal security in my soul so I can still go out and sin every day in word, deed, and thought and, uh, and not be of any consequence because I'm saved in my soul. That is, that is not what God's Word teaches. That's a very Gnostic idea that comes out of, right out of paganism. I've heard, I've heard people, well-meaning Christians, say that. But God has made us a body and a soul. And that's not that we find our identity just in our bodies, but in, but in the purposes for which God has made us. To serve Him. To love Him. We talked about last week how men and women are better together. He, he, he's made us for relationships. He's made us to, to rule the earth under Him. Great and glorious purposes for us, and that would not be possible without the physical body, without our material bodies here. And God showed His love and concern for it by providing this wonderful lush garden to help sustain life, particularly the tree of life, which I believe gave man his immortality. Later on, when, when God gives the law at, after sin entered the picture, we know that sin, we lost access to the garden, which meant we lost access to the tree of life, which meant our mortality. And, and, and the idea of the, the, this slow march of, of decay that we go through now, or we call it entropy, um, we, we have that now. This is why we suffer. This is why we go in decline. is because, um, because of our sin, and we, we lost that access to, to the garden. Later on, God, when God gives the law to help restore His people to, to a right relationship with Him, we, we, we tend to think of the laws as being punitive, but really they're, they're more instructions for living in this relationship with God. But when He gave the law, He addresses the body over and over again and what they do to the body. And the body is, is, is defiled by all kinds of things that He talks about. Um, un unclean food is one of them. There, there were certain foods that they weren't to eat because, you know, for whatever reason. We don't know exactly. It's, it, it's a thus saith the Lord command. Some of, the, some of the things they were told not to eat might have to do with health. Um, you don't want to eat rodents because you might get their diseases. Um, you were supposed to stay away from pork, <laughs> but God help me if I didn't have bacon today. I'm so glad that in Acts um, <laughs> that, uh, that uh, God revealed to Peter, he says, rise and kill and eat, Peter, and there were all kinds of unclean animals. And God says, don't call anything that God has made unclean. So I, I'm, I'm glad that command came out because I don't know what I'd do without bacon. I don't know about you, but anyway. They weren't supposed to... Um, in other words, God cared about what they took into their bodies and, 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 and what they did, what, what, even, even down to what they ate. 
They weren't to go and touch a dead, another dead body because that would make you unclean. I think it has to do with the fact that um, death is a result of, of sin. And so touching a dead body would make you unclean. And of course, sexual immorality. God has, we talked about that God made a plan for one man, one woman to be married in a, in a, in a committed covenantal relationship for life. That, that, that is God's plan. And, and, and sin is what has caused us to deviate from it. That, that was God's original plan. But, but even that has been warped. And if you read you know, um, Leviticus, of course, you, you see all the list of, of things that are considered sexual immorality. Our bodies were not made to serve sexual immorality. They're, they're made to serve God. We're not made to just please ourselves any way and any time we feel like it. That is selfishness and self-centeredness. Our bodies are made to serve and, and, and please God. So when we're caught up in those things, God calls them sin. And, and they're detrimental to our bodies. Later on in the New Testament, it tells us that, that um, when, when we get caught up in sexual sins and sexual immorality... That's a sin against the self. And it is ultimately destructive. And of course, we, we see that in, in, in strings of broken relationships, broken people, sexual, tr sexually transmitted diseases, all sorts of things that come, come from um, the results of the sin of sexual immorality. It's a sin against the self. It's self-degradation. And it is self-destructive. Our bodies are just as important as our soul within and our spirit within. When we die, there is a separation between the body and the soul. And, and, and although we often talk about it in our songs, I look forward to go seeing Jesus when I die. And I do believe that the soul goes to be with the Lord and, and, and enjoys His presence. That period of separation is only meant to be temporary, according to the Scriptures. That period of separation between the soul and the body it, it is a result of the fall and of, uh, and of sin. The believer's soul goes to heaven if they, if they accepted Christ in this life and have repented of their sins. Their souls are preserved in Him, but they are kept for something even greater that comes down the line, and that is what? The resurrection. A bodily resurrection. When Jesus Christ came into this world, how did He come? He didn't just appear out of nowhere, just popped in and said, here I am. I'm the Messiah. He doesn't appear in, in, in the form of a spirit. He appears as a little child whom God formed in the womb of Mary. He entered into the world the same way everybody else does with human flesh and yet in a different and unique way because Mary was a virgin.
the body is important. And if we don't believe that it is important, then all we got to do is look what Jesus did. Look what the Son of God did when He came to earth. He took on human flesh and dwelled among us. He did it, why? To save human flesh. Human souls as well. Christ suffered and died. And then what happened? He suffered and died for the sins of the world. His human body was, was just like ours. It, 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 it was destructible. But when God called him forth from the grave, when he rose again to new life, that body disappeared. It wasn't there. Why? Because Christ took it on again. He took up his life. He took up the, uh, the body again. And that body was transformed into a newer, glorious body. How do we know it was a body? Well, because the disciples witnessed him coming into the room and, and, and th they could see the, the, the scars on his body. He kept the scars to show people for all time what he had done, his sacrifice. He tells Thomas to come and touch my side. But there was something different about this body. It was a glorified body. It, it was a transformed body. It was a transfigured body. There is a human being on the throne of the universe today. Do you know that? It's Jesus Christ. Now, He's more than just a human being, of course. He's the God-man. And, and the Bible tells us over and over again that we're going to share in a resurrection like Jesus, where, where our souls and our bodies reunite in, in, in a glorified, transfigured form forever in God's presence in His future kingdom to come. And imperishable. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 15. The perishable will put on the imperishable. A physical resurrection. A bodily resurrection. So that means that, that God determines what our body is. God, God determines who, who we are. God determines our gender. Our biological sex, God, God um, you know, determines our gender. The, those two things are, are connected. The, the body and who we identify with within ourselves or within our souls. And, and, and it's a terrible thing when, when somebody can't decide what they are. They, they, they tend to want to separate the idea of biological sex and gender. And, and say that gender is fluid. I, I can decide whatever I want to be doesn't matter what, what the biology says. God has made both. And they both are supposed to exist together, and, and one is intimately connected with the other. You have glorious and great purposes in Jesus Christ. And if you're ever experiencing any of those kinds of, of thoughts, or if you're ever experiencing any, any kind of um, uh, temptations, if, if, if you're hearing from the culture messages that, um, that I could be with whoever I want to be with and I can be whatever I want to be, there's only one way to be and that's the way God made you. And God made you the way that you are because He loves you. And you cannot separate the body from, from that inward rational person that we are, that soul that we are. You can't do that. But if you trust in God, if you put your faith and trust in Him and you turn to Him, God will help you to find your identity. 
And it's up to us as believers to proclaim that message. Rather than reacting in anger to what the culture is doing, we need to tell them that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God and that He loves you. And, and He loves you as you are. He made you biologically and whatever you are as a soul. Those two things are very important to Him. And if you'll come to God in faith, He can forgive you. He can cleanse you of your sins. He can give you a new purpose in life. He can give you a new life in Him. A life of constant joy and of peace and of fellowship with Himself and with other believers. I'm not saying that everything becomes perfect. That's not, that, that's not the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that God changes our relationships with each other. And one day, yes, our bodies are going to be transformed into its new glorious form when He returns. That is our great hope. Our own bodily resurrection, when we rejoin God as a whole person, living in His kingdom forever. I want to ask Michael if he'll play that song, <clears throat> Sanctuary. And maybe you know the words. I forgot to put them on the um, screen here. I'm going to have him play that song. Let's stand. God has prepared us to be sanctuaries. just ask God that you'd help us to reflect the truth of that song Lord that we are sanctuaries for you you don't exist in in temples made by man but you exist in the hearts and lives of your people through your Holy Spirit who came through the Son Jesus Christ because of his sacrifice for sins and those who repent of their sins and come to you and seek your forgiveness you rush in upon them with your spirit and you commune with them, Lord, and you fill them with, with new life and with new purpose, Lord. God, help us to tap into that. We are sanctuaries for you, Father God, pure and holy, tried and true, serving you, Lord. And help us to proclaim the message of the repentance of sins, of finding your life hidden in Christ, and, and finding our new identity in Him, Lord, 
God help us to proclaim that good news to others. That God loves them, whatever they are, Lord, whatever they're experiencing. God help us to be witnesses for you in a lost and dying world. Guide us and be with us throughout our week, Lord. Go with us as we leave here. And help us, Lord, in our week. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Lord bless you today.